Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Queued Up, the review podcast tied to streaming services like Disney Plus, HBO Max, Netflix, you know the rest. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher. How are you doing this week? Uh, pretty good, I guess. You know, I'm a little, little sad about the uh, Raiders oh, losing. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't expect them to win that game. I really didn't. Uh, they gave it their fucking best shot. I mean, well, that's arguable, but still. Because there was a lot of errors. <laughs> there were a lot of errors. Uh, you know, penalties were bad. Uh, well, I was talking to my brother about the penalties, and we were both agreeing that there's a big problem with the NFL and, and penalties right now. Like, across the fucking board. Every game. Uh, we were talking about the, the Niner game and how many bad calls there were there. Um, not, not the Dallas one that, that ended the game. Because that was on well, Dallas for not handing the ball to the ref, but <clears throat> well, that was on Dallas for giving up 170 yards rushing and Fair. giving up, you know, uh, the penalties that they had, the unnecessary fucking false start penalties that, you know, and that hurt the Raiders. They had a lot of false start penalties that put them back. They had a lot of holding calls that put them back, and you know. Um, <clears throat> You know, you got to be able to move the ball. I, I, I love Carr, don't get me wrong. But unless he's under a pressure situation, it's like if he's in a two-minute drill, he can move the fuck out of that ball. But if it's just like, oh, there's 12 minutes to go in the quarter, let's just see what happens. It's like he's not – there's no focus. But, you know, they, they need some better receivers. You only got two go-to targets. You know, yeah. most teams have three and Renfro wouldn't be a starter on any other team in the league. I don't think I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, 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 the concept that the Raiders even made it to the playoffs in the first place with the season that they were having is all of the shit going on is like fucking massive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't expect them to make the playoffs. I expected a sub-500 finish. Um, but I'm glad they turned around and did as well as they did. You know, I'm not angry. I'm sad about it. But I was under no delusions that they were going to still be in it and go all the way or anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I'm still watching playoff football. And hey, we got the... It. Niner Packer game this Saturday. Um, what do you think the Niners' odds of winning that game are? And be honest. Well, you would be honest. You wouldn't fucking fabricate that for any reason. I don't think they've got a good shot. Maybe a 25% chance of winning. That's what I've been seeing a lot of. Like, this is where the Niners' run stops. I'm like, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, when I was mean, the last time a card team made it to the Super Bowl and won? Uh, that's a good question. As I, I think it's been a long time. It's not a commonality. But uh, uh, only seven wildcard teams have won the Super Bowl, the Raiders in 81. Uh, the The last team to do it uh, was 
last year the Bucks was Brady. Last year? Yeah, last year. Wow. Before that, though, it was the Packers in 2011, the Steelers, uh, the Giants in 2008, the Steelers in 06, the Ravens in 2001, the Broncos in 98, and the Raiders in 81. And that was the first team to ever do it. So it happens every few years, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. That's not as uncommon as I thought. Seven times out of 55. And those seven times are in the last 40 years. Yes. So there's that too, but um, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. You know, they they do say any given Sunday, there could be some variable that we're not seeing that, you know, is going to tip the scales on that game, but we'll see. Um, if if Rodgers is on his game and, you know, if Rodgers is on his game, I don't think that 49ers have a chance in hell. I mean, the defense is good, but I don't think the offense under Garoppolo can compete with the offense that uh, Green Bay has, especially with Green Bay's defense. So we'll see though. Um, Well, my week was plain Jane. Nothing really substantial happened. I was just getting ready to ask, how was your week? I just, I'm getting back into a routine of, of healthier living for quite a few, like about two months now. I've been constantly eating fast food, not to mention, um, I, uh, I haven't been exercising. I haven't been going to the gym for about six weeks. So because going your back. dad's not been door dashing with you, you've not had to watch what you eat with him as much. I have to have a little bit more self-control. But, you know, I, one of the big things, this is going to sound really weird, but one of the big things that has always uh, got me to be more mindful about what I'm eating is the fact that we are poor as fuck. So buying, you know, four chicken breasts and making it last eight meals is now important. Gotcha. Um, And that's hard to do. It is hard to do, but it's also something I need to do. And the way that I've been kind of uh, forcing myself not to eat is not limiting myself entirely. So one of the biggest reasons that diets fail and I've failed is you go full bore into it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I'm just going to eat vegetables, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that to yourself. Because the second that you start doing that to yourself, you get depressed. And then you fall into this hole of, like, I got I got to do this. I got so, so on occasion, like, every once in a while, I'm going to grab a chicken sandwich from fucking Popeye's or some shit. You know, like, that's, that's how it's going to work. Right. I'm not going to. Yeah deprive myself of deliciousness like yesterday i had a piece of cake yeah it's gonna i ate ate a piece of cake this week now for those people that know me and are aware fucking hate cake i do i eat maybe two slices of cake a year uh mainly because i have an egg allergy and anything with high egg content makes me very nauseous and sick uh, but you know, I will eat it. I love carrot cake with cream cheese frosting. I eat it once, maybe twice a year. And when the Raiders lost Saturday night, I looked at Misty. I was like, I'm sad. I want cake. 
And uh, I said, go make a cake. And she's like, well, I don't have any to make. And I was like, yes, you do. And she's like, yeah, but you won't like those kinds. I was like, yeah, you're right. She's like, I'll get you a carrot cake tomorrow. So she went to the grocery store Sunday morning, and she got the stuff to make carrot cake. But she didn't make it until Tuesday night. So late Tuesday night, I did have a slice of cake. It works. Yeah. I mean, and carrot cake is barely cake, if you ask me. So there's that. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I I think the reason that I was off my diet for so long and was having struggling so hard is because um, uh, a lot has been around the house not very, like, it's been kind of depressing. Like, shit just hasn't been great. Yeah. Uh, and when that happens, I just stopped caring, stopped giving a fuck. But what got me back into wanting to go to the gym and eating a little bit better is because I get winded stupid easily now. Like, I, I will I will go to someone's house, to someone's front door, get back to the car and be winded. That's not good. No. Yeah, I understand completely. So I'm like, better fix that immediately. So, uh, but, uh, we're not, you know, we're, we're, we're not here to talk about my health. Uh, we're here to talk about shows, which we watched three this week. So last week, you remember, uh, I said that we were watching Injustice on, on HBO Max, which is the animated version of what happened in the game, kind of. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, episode or chapter four of the book of Boba Fett. And we added... As Maya was watching it Monday night, I think it was. I was watching it. I started watching it Monday afternoon and mentioned that I was like four or five episodes in. I was like, yeah, so I'm watching Archive 81 on Netflix. And I'm like, really getting into it. And I looked up you, the synopsis and I was like, oh, I hella want to watch this. So we were like, fuck it. We're adding it to the goddamn syllabus. And... Got so into it, totally forgot to even update social media. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. that's yeah. on me. It's all right. I'm it bad is, for yeah. updating the social media. We both are. We're both really bad about it. I had a thought while I was door dashing too. I was like, I should go update that when I get home, and I just never did. Um, but since we're talking about it right now, we're going to dive into that first. Um, uh, so I, I do you want to try to give a quick synopsis of the show, like without? giving too much away well um starts out it focuses on a uh a conservator his name's dan dan turner um he basically restores uh physical media and converts it digitally like old vhs cassettes old cassette tapes um repairs them restores them transfers them to digital media and saves them uh you know he also does physical restorations things like that for a museum he is hired uh by this guy whose company is just very mysterious can't find anything on the books about this company or what they do uh 
he's like, look, I'll give you a hundred grand if you restore these videotapes and upload all the files digitally. And, you know, that's all you need to do. He's like, you'll be staying at this compound. Uh, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about any cost of living. Everything will be provided. You just do the work. I'll pay you a hundred grand. And what he has to do is go in and watch these videotapes and restore them. And as he's watching them, you know, he's trying to figure out what happened. The subject of the videotapes is a girl named Melody Pendris. Uh, she is a college student. Uh, she's working on a PhD. I think she was working on a PhD. Uh, that's what she said yeah yeah and basically what she's doing she is um doing a an oral history um dissertation on an apartment building called the visser uh early on she says that the hotel or the apartment building was built on the remains of a mansion that burned down in the 20s and her story is taking place in 1994. And she's basically everything that we see through her eyes uh, is because she is always videotaping everything around her. So that's how we get so much of her story. Uh, we, you know, and Dan is seeing it through a lens 25 plus years later. Yeah, because it's it's presumed that hit that that his timeline is current, like it's two thousand twenty one yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean they they didn't specify exactly when it was. They just say present day. They never say oh you know twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two at this. The date. only the only hints that I got that it was modern was like I saw the iPhone eleven or not eleven, but the yeah iPhone eleven and and uh, the uh, AirPods in the movie yeah. or the show. So that's the yeah. only inkling. Yeah, but it's clearly, you know, the technology is present day technology and not. But yeah, that's uh that's what he's hired to do. And it's just basically he's stumbled onto a mystery that he becomes fascinated with and wants to solve as he is performing the task of restoring these videotapes and uploading them to a digital format yeah um i i mean immediately the the thing that like the first episode i was interested i was definitely compelled i was like oh where's this going like this is crazy and the first episode felt like it could have been a movie by itself like it was it was there was a lot that they dumped on you in the first episode mm -hmm. and but by the end of it that that reveal that little reveal at the very end I was like, oh, this is on Netflix, second episode, please, and thank you. And I think it was after I watched that episode that I that I messaged you, like, do you want to add this? No problem. I can we can add this. Because I knew I was gonna finish it. Like it was it was definitely enthralling. However, there are little things, little elements throughout the show that kind of just didn't land for me. Um 
there was way too much like stereotypical Satan occultism. Way too much just like the fucking heavy breathing as they're like doing their prayer or whatever. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, it's too was it was 1994, and to be fair, that was still a big issue then. I, that's not my the issue. The issue of it being a satanic cult wasn't my issue. My issue was how the satanic cult was was handled in the storytelling of this of this show. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like, uh the 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 idol that they pray to, or the human sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. I was just, it was all too on the nose. Like it was too like, Oh, we wrote this script in 1994 and just brought it to now. It's kind of how it felt. And I'm like, I've seen it. That's my only issue where I think the show shines is the mystery of what's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, trying to figure out what happened. Uh, because the, the the videotapes, the reason why they need to be res- restored is because the uh, Visser apartment building burned down uh, in 1994, very shortly after uh, Melody moves into the building and begins her video dissertation of it. Uh, these were items that were recovered from the fire. They were her videotapes, and the man... Uh, Virgil Davenport is the name of the guy who has hired Dan to uh, for this project. So, you know, why is he so interested in this project? Why does he want to know what happened? Uh, the the, the yeah. mystery that's presented is very interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's very fun. It, it's uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's based off of a fictional podcast. A podcast that does fictional stories, sorry, I did clarify that, called Archive 81, where they would retell what was happening in these old VH- VHS tapes that they were finding. And part oh. of that story was Melanie. Like, part of what they did on that podcast was the Melody story. Uh, for the show, they added in Dan. And the ending. <laughs> what happened in the end was totally not on the podcast, but... That's pretty wild. Uh, one of the biggest complaints that I saw online that I think is kind of interesting is that uh, one of the bigger components to Melody's character in the, in the podcast is that she's gay. That was not a thing in the show at all. As a matter of fact, it's heavily insinuated that she's straight. Not even heavily. She sort of goes on a date with the, that one dude. <laughs> well, I didn't consider that a date. She seemed interested in the opposite gender than. Yeah, that's not. true. That's true. I mean, it is insinuated that her friend, uh, the 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 artist, um, that there, there was a relationship between those two in the past, Annabelle. or they tried things. Annabelle. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So I don't know. That's what I saw online. You know, if you if you if you know what the fuck we're talking about, you know, let us know in the any kind of place to contact us. But whatever. Um, I thought that was an interesting tidbit, but. Um, I don't know, like, like I said, there were one of my favorite elements about this and I wish they kind of took it in a slightly different direction, but kept the theme is, um, I love the dual comment angle. 
that the the quote unquote mold that they kept finding was actually part of that uh, that comet comet that mm-hmm. hit the Earth. I was like, oh, that's kind of that's really clever. I like that. That's that's actually a new angle that I I don't think I've seen before. It felt like it was heavily inspired by the Halley's comet shit too. So I don't know. Well, Which is fine. Do you remember? Do you remember the whole Hailbop comet back in ninety six? Hailbop. That's the one. Sorry, I was trying to remember the one where the 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 Nike cult killed themselves. I thought that was uh, Haley, but it was Hailbop. Yeah, yeah, it was Hailbop. Because Haley's comet came around about eighty five or eighty six. That's right. Yeah. Um. I remember seeing it. Well, I remember it seeing the Hellbop comic too. We recently had a comet pass by the Earth too. Couldn't see it with the naked eye, but because it's too far away. But it came by and said hello. And every time I hear about a comet passing by the Earth, I immediately think of the movie. You know, don't, don't look, look up. up. Yeah, <laughs> movie sticks with you, man. Um, yeah, it does. But. uh the other thing about it was I felt like some of the acting was stiff. Um, there was a few, there's a few uh, actors that I felt like didn't <laughs> namely Dan, the guy who played Dan. Um, I felt like a lot of his moments in the show just didn't fit. And were, it was kind of like, he was just saying words to say words. No, no, I get that. He he was very um, emotionless in a lot of his delivery. Yes. And I just chalked that up to, you know, this guy's personality. He's not a very outgoing kind of person. But, you know. I just felt like there was a lot of moments where he should have been more animated. And the conversation or, or, or like he was he was clearly pissed. You know, he 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 just saw his dad in one of the tapes and he's just like he seemed way the fuck too calm. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you not emoting? Or there was the scene where he breaks into the fucking chapel underneath. Mm-hmm. And uh the, the owner of that company shows up unannounced. And he just stood there like a statue. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? It just seemed odd. It would, it took me out of the show because it just seemed so out of place for what I think a character would do in that scene. So my brain immediately was just like, why are you standing there like you just like like a kid who got caught? Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, you're an adult. You're not a kid who got caught. So why are you standing there like a kid who got caught? <laughs> he is an adult who got caught. Um. But yeah, also he had a hundred grand on the line, so maybe that was. I mean, I don't mind in the forefront of his mind thinking, yeah, let's not do anything rash here because I don't want to lose that on that money. My thought process is like he is unraveling this mystery that involves his fucking dead family. You'd think that emotion would be, you know, the forefront of, of a man's fucking reaction to that kind of thing. He's but, also got uh, an established history of mental illness and is on medication, which they show. And it could be a side effect of the medication. He's more leveled out and level-headed my, than he would be. Here's my in, problem with that. 
here's my problem with that. We can't speculate that shit because no. it's never it's never specified and it's never even hinted at. Like saying that right now is on par with trying to justify um someone's actions when their actions were, were wrong. I mean, it's not no, like no, Jesus, it's not that bad, but it's it's I don't know, man. Like I think my my issue is that even in that situation, regardless of the mental health, regardless of the hundred grand, it, it doesn't make sense that a man would see his dead father in 1994 tapes and be like, now you tell me what's going on. You tell me now. That's, I mean, he's not that bad. He's, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like, I don't know, man. He just stood there a lot. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, no, I see what you're saying. Um, and it also didn't help that his friend uh, Mark, I think his friend's yeah. name was, yeah, overacted. Mark. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy was. It's like, what happens when you have an introvert and an extrovert best friend pair to the and extremes then, on both sides? Yeah, yeah, like he was just like way more animated, and the dude would be a great voice actor. I don't know about screen actor though. Yeah, I was just like he was uh he was in Orange is the New Black actually. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. He's gained a lot of weight since then. Yeah, he has. And that's I think that's the thing also that stood like like these actors have been in things. They've won awards for their acting prowess. So why was it just kind of off this whole movie? But I think this goes back to my my critique of like directors. A director will have a lot of fucking power in uh, uh, actors' performance. So, and it's not so bad that it completely detracts from the story overall. It was just something that like took me out. No, no, I I get you. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Uh. I guess uh, we can give final thoughts in a grid and move on. Well, I'll let you go ahead and go first. All right. Um, I'm going to give it a B plus. Uh, it's a really, really solid story. Um, I think it maybe runs a little long in the tooth. Uh, it is telling two individual stories back to back. So there's that, but it feels like there's a lot that is happening uh, that doesn't need, the audience doesn't need to know. And like, for example, whenever we're with Melody, it's usually in conjunction with footage that Dan can see. And yeah, we're seeing it from a different perspective because they don't want to have it just be through a camcorder the entire time. Yeah, that would be that would be lame. Um, but we're seeing a lot with Melody that that Dan isn't seeing, too. And that to me was was an odd choice. Like, I'm like, yeah. I think there were some things uh, just want to expound upon that, that could have been trimmed a little bit uh, in the, in the, in that regard where yeah, they... it felt like there was, there was, there was quite a few things that felt like they were, um, it was added for padding. Cause Netflix was like, we'll give you exactly eight episodes. And they're like, fuck, we have seven. So that's what, that's what it felt like. But I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a small critique. Uh, I think the show is absolutely worth watching. 
uh, just for the sake of the mystery and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Uh, that you know, like I have, I'm having my mom watch it right now, and she just goes, "So I watched the first three episodes of the show, Greg, and what the fuck?" And I'm like, "Right, no, I, <laughs> I get it." So it's it's definitely it's definitely worth your time if you want to watch a good like horror mystery kind of thing. Um, it's also not very scary, if I'm being honest. Like it is horror, but light horror light. Uh, it's yeah, I didn't think it was horror at all. Um, it's categorized as horror, and I get why, but uh, it has you know it has imagery that you're like, mm, that's uneasy. That makes me uncomfortable. So oh, that okay, goes yeah. into yeah. horror. Uh, <clears throat> gotcha. Because a lot of the early episodes, when you're watching Melody's stuff, you know something's off, you know something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, you can't put your finger on it. Which is, I love that. I just fucking love that. When I'm like, when it feels like you have eyeballs watching you from behind you and there's nobody there while you're watching a thing, well done. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going I'm to give, like I said, B plus, um, a solid watch. You know, don't don't pass up on it. Just because of my little dumb complaints, it's it's worth it. So, Maya, what do you what do you think? I'm gonna give it an A. I really enjoyed it a whole lot. Uh, I love the mystery aspect, and we just gave you the basic set- setup and synopsis for this. We haven't really spoiled anything, which is no, rare for us. Yeah, but the last episode at all. The 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 mystery that it presents is good enough to where you know I feel watch this and go on the ride for yourself and, you know, come to your own conclusion. But I really enjoyed it. You know, I do agree, you know, sometimes the acting felt a little wooden and uncharacteristic of a typical person in that situation. But, you know, I'm willing to forgive that because the story is that good. Uh, the story is that good. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I started watching it on a whim Monday afternoon and did not stop i was just like you know what i haven't really binged anything in a while and i was like i can stop and watch the rams and the cardinals or i can keep watching this and i just kept watching it and i was like damn that's a trip and i'm not gonna lie it's a little bit of a mind fuck uh and there's some cool uh supernatural elements to it uh yeah I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so an A from me. I like how you mentioned the Monday night game because that's also when they premiered the um, another show that we're going to review on this podcast, uh, Moon Knight trailer. Yeah. Did you watch? Didn't you watch? You ended up watching that because we talked about it. I watched it Tuesday morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I watched it Monday night after I got off work because uh, I literally walked in the front door after the um, trailer had popped up on tv and my folks were watching the the game and so my dad just rewound it like 10 minutes i was like wow i really missed it by that much huh <laughs> that's crazy but um very excited about that show like it looks awesome yeah yeah i know you and i talked about how we didn't know much about moon knight a past you know team ups in the comics but he's a cool character i know that much that i can mm-hmm. tell you um but and yeah, they got uh, a great actor, you know, for the role. So yeah, Oscar. Hey, Oscar Isaac, are you just collecting fucking roles and franchises like Infinity Stones? What are you doing, bud? Hmm. Whatever it is, just keep doing it. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying it. You're great. 
Uh, okay, so let's move on to Injustice. Um, so what's funny about this movie, this animated movie, is it's it's a solo story. There will be no sequel. Doesn't have to be after the ending. But what makes it even weirder is it is a loose adaptation of the comic book, which was an adaptation of the video game. So uh, years prior to the game coming out, uh, uh, Ed Boon, who was currently still working at Midway at the time, had gotten the ability to make a... uh, a Mortal Kombat game with DC or with DC superheroes in it. Um, it did not land well. People didn't like it. And the biggest reason was that the, the Mortal Kombat characters could do fatalities to other Mortal Kombat characters, but not to the DC heroes. And the DC heroes or DC characters had fatalities, but they weren't really fatalities. They were like, I don't know even what, I don't remember what they called them. I don't know. It didn't land because a lot of that. So... Shortly after that game had come out, um, Ed Boon started up, Ed Boon and and a few other people, had started up their own company called um, uh, NetherRealm, NetherRealm Studios. And they were working hard on Mortal Kombat 9. Well, they also wanted to do their own DC game. And uh, that's when they came up with the idea for Injustice. And they had written the script. They had written what it was going to be about. But they thought maybe we should have something that kind of ties the game or t- ties like like let people know what happened before the game. Because the game just picks up like well after the major event, which we'll get into in a second here. Uh, so the comic book was that. The comic book then had a life of its own after the game had come out and kind of told a slightly different story about what was going on. More, more or less it had to do with the fact that it was in universe versus what we see in the game is uh... so the major event I'm just going to spoil the major event which is in the first fucking 10 minutes of the movie which is the the game doesn't even show you by the way it just happens but the idea is that Joker being bored with playing with Batman um, he he knows about Lois being pregnant with Superman's baby. He kidnaps Lois, puts a bomb on her heart, or a trigger on her heart, I should say. There is a nuke in the middle of Metropolis. And he uses Scarecrow's fear toxin mixed with kryptonite to trick Superman into thinking that Lois is doomsday. Superman kills Lois and his unborn child, and at that exact same moment... Metropolis gets nuked. More or less, Superman loses everything. Um, His ever-loving shit being the biggest. Yes. So that's that's the major commonality that the game, the comic, and this movie have, right? But the movie tells a different story. The movie is a, let's say it's a different universe. And... Um, uh, Superman is definitely taking the same steps that he would have taken to the game. Because again, the game is you in the opening credits, you see the aftermath, just a little bit of the aftermath. And then it cuts 
to all the heroes fighting like Superman's battling Ares and Shazam's fighting Black Adam and on the watchtower you got you got uh uh uh, uh Catwoman, Luther and Solomon Grundy fighting the Nightwing and it's, it's a whole fucking huge number of characters. And then in the middle of Manhattan you have Batman fighting Joker. And Joker has a trigger to a nuke that Lex Luthor had given him. As they're like slow motion coming to stop Joker, they all get teleported. They all just get teleported into the Injustice world where Superman has already become the totalitarian dictator that the villain of the Injustice storyline. Um, that's how the game starts, right? So you don't really get that big preamble. The comic starts off with year zero. It does like a whole preamble leading up to Joker's big attack, right? Um, but then the game just like, it, it tells that five-year story before the fucking first game. Now, that being said, um, this movie is an adaptation of that comic, not the game. Meaning that they kind of just had that opening bit and then went wherever the fuck they wanted. <laughs> they really did. So the reason I'm telling anybody that is if you have played the game and you know the story of the game or you've read the first comic, know that that's not 100% what you're getting with this movie immediately. You're getting a little bit of a different story. So uh, that being said, that, that, that now out of the way, um, <clears throat> what did you think of it, Maya? Eh. <laughs> Didn't it you say you okay. played the game? I've played both games. Okay. Never read any of the comics, though, but I've played both games and enjoyed the games as a casual player more than I enjoyed this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I understand that. I don't know. I just... It felt too, uh, light. Like Superman to me went way off the deep end in the games versus this just kind of off the deep end. He's like testing the waters. Yeah. And I was like, no, give me total injustice. Superman, give me fucking off his rocker not listening to any fucking reason Superman. Give me that. This didn't give me that. Yeah, it felt like whoever wrote this definitely like had that mindset of of who Superman is supposed to be. Where like that was the biggest complaint that Injustice got back in the day was um Superman's character and characteristics wouldn't go off the deep end. Um if we're going hardcore comic, but one of the things that I love about superheroes and Marvel and all this kind of stuff is they don't exist. So you can kind of do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But traditional Superman character, like he wouldn't go off the deep end. No, you know, that's, um, uh, that, and that's, that's why I like stories like injustice that are just, you know, in their own pocket, so to speak, in their own oh, I, yeah, universe. Yeah. It's just like, what if this happened? You know, I mean, the, the, 
it's essentially DC's version of what if, you know, it's just, Elseworlds. Yeah. Yeah. Elseworlds. Uh, you know, it's totally an Elseworlds thing. Uh, Absolutely. But I fucking, uh, it's very, yeah. No, I, f- I feel you there. Cause it's, it's, there's nothing substantial about it that like, is going to be remember is going to be memorable. Like when we talk about Injustice five years from now, nobody's going to be like, "Oh, that animated thing that was on HBO Max." Not a fucking soul is going to do that. It's going to be about the game, especially if they come out with a third game by then. Which there's rumors, um, but yeah, I don't like. It was very mid very mid on quality very mid on like i i also did not like the weird animation with like the the black lines that they had in it like on yeah like shit. especially on the knuckles and the hands yeah i didn't like that either i was like i was like that's a weird choice my dad was like what the fuck is on their hands i was like it's just the animation it's just the lot like the shadowing and he was like that's shadowing i was like uh apparently so if my dad notices that shit like you've done it you've done a wrong thing <laughs> My dad usually doesn't give a fuck. But yeah, I did I didn't watch it until this morning. I got up about six thirty and watched it this morning and I was just like Ugh. It's not boring, it's just like No, no, it's not boring and it's fast paced, you know, it doesn't lull. I'll just never watch it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. They they threw they throw a lot at you, and they do it in rapid succession. Um, but nothing also, is memorable. Yeah, and the ending is super fucking disappointing. Oh, like, absolutely! That ending, like, I was just like, "That's it." What? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking spoil it. I don't care. But like having. A Lois Lane come through, and at from this another point, world. from another world, and and she's the magical one to convince him. I was like, that's that's a weird fucking choice. And then he just stands down, willingly goes into custody, and Catwoman kisses Batman, and that's it. Close. Everybody walk off in the sunset. Happy ending, kind of. What? Yeah. No. Was, yeah, it was very weird. I was like, no, not like this. This is not fun. Nope. But uh, I will give it this credit. It is brutal. It's as brutal as the games. Like I th- um, thought it was less brutal than the games. I feel it could be more brutal, really. Uh, it could like, have, but it... it like Because, yeah, in the games, we have that wonderful shot of Superman just fucking blasting uh, uh, or lasering um, uh, Billy Batson's fucking head off, or at least it was in Shazam form. So Superman's not just killing a kid. Um, so there is stuff like that in the game, whereas this movie, it's like, there's kills, some brutal he shit. Kills, he kills Green Arrow. He does that same thing. He, he visions a fucking hole in his head. Doesn't show the hole in his head, just shows his prone body. Well, the, well it's it's a little different, because the one in, the, in this show is you don't see the hole. You just see his head get hit, and then he'll yeah. fall over with steam coming out. In yeah. the game, the, the Shazam one is he holds him by the throat and melts his fucking head off. And you see it. Yeah. Because it's the guys who made Mortal Kombat. 
so that's that's the difference in the brutality is what I'm is what I'm getting. Yeah, at. that's like, what I'm saying. There's there is just it felt very lot in comparison. Yeah, like HBO Max was like, well, you can get away with quite a bit because it is you know the game is brutal, but not that much. And it's like okay. Again, it felt like it was written by somebody who was a fucking Superman hardcore fan. And was like, I'm not going to allow Superman to be that brutal. It's like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And as a result, the product suffers. A bit, yeah. Again, it's it's not not worth your time, I guess. Like, if you didn't play the games and you kind of want to see the story, it's fine. I don't know. It's kind of hard to recommend it. Cause I, it, it's just, it's so forgettable. Yeah. Unless you're a hardcore animated DC fan, skip it. But if you really are into DC properties and love their animated movies, which is usually where they shine, you know, check it out. But it's, 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 it's ho-hum. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and give a give a grade? And, uh, I'd, I'd give it a C minus. You know? Wow, it's a little lower than I gave it, but yeah, I'd give it a C minus. Uh, you know, it's below average, but it's not dismal. Um, they tried, <laughs> but they didn't succeed. But in, in the end, they didn't get so far. Yeah, it didn't. And nothing matter. really matters, <laughs> or it doesn't even matter. Uh, however, that lyric goes. But yeah, I mean, you're you you can get more enjoyment out of googling and searching the injustice cinematic storyline and watching the cutscenes from the video game one and two and be more yeah. entertained than this. I watched, like I said, I watched the opening at least the first fifteen minutes of the game without the fight scenes. Like they just cut the fight scenes out, mm-hmm. and um, or the I should say, I should say fight scenes, the fight moments the gameplay moments yeah um and uh it's a 2013 game it looks like a 2013 game so there's that which it came out in 2013 yeah i didn't realize it was that old still has a better story though oh 100 100%, 100%. not even arguing that but um but yeah it was just like i was like 2013 it feels like it was much closer than that but maybe that's because i played the sequel and the sequel it just looks better it just it's it's got a great story but it's it's the same game essentially yeah gameplay wise but it's it's fucking never the Rome studios like are they, they they have a they have a fucking engine for the fighting game they're not going to change it anyway i give this injustice animated movie a c plus um i liked it a, a bit more than you did but um I also thought it was kind of cool that DC or that that Warner Brothers even allowed for that fucking animated movie to be had to happen. You know, I was like, really? Okay, I'm fucking in. Let's see this. So I, I think that might be why I'm a little bit more lenient. Plus, we did see Jimmy take a bullet to the eye, and that's nice. We saw his camera take the bullet. <laughs> well, we saw the camera move, and <laughs> the bullet hole be there. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's, it's fine. If you're looking for something to watch and you're a big superhero fan, definitely check it out. Like, I think that's the thing for me. I fucking love superheroes. 
absolutely adore superheroes. So if there's a new superhero thing, I'm probably going to watch it. So I was going to watch this regardless. And if you're like me in that regard, I think that, uh, you know, you'll like it as much as we did, give or take. I don't know. That's about, that's about it. That's all I can say. All right. Well, let's go to the last thing. Uh, the uh, Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. Arguably the best episode so far. Um, I don't know where to begin on this one. Uh, it's mostly the at past. The at the beginning? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it starts off with a scene of him and his back to tank. And that's when we get the flashback scenes, and it shows. Uh, at first, he's outside Jabba's palace, or Bib Fortuna's palace at this point in time. Uh, he's obviously scouting, and he's like, hmm, "Not this time." Uh, and he and his bantha leave. This is the period after the Tuscan tribe that he had been living with, as one of them had been wiped out. Um, and then he's at a campfire, he and his bantha, and he sees some explosions, and it turns out it's the, uh, it's the incident that happens between the Mandalorian and the bounty, bounty hunter that he teams up with to find Fennec Shand on Tatooine. Uh, that's happening at the same time, and he finds Fennec Shand near death. And takes her to a mod parlor uh, on the outskirts of Moss Eisley. He's like, this woman is dying. She needs to be modified. So she gets droid guts put in her so she can live. In, in arguably the most cyberpunk fucking sequence we've ever had in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, give me more of this. This is cool. <laughs> it was dope. Uh-uh. But basically, he's like, I've saved your life. And she's like, okay, I'll help you until my debt's paid. He's like, help me get my fire spray starship or gunship. Uh, she's like, okay, where's it at? He's like, Jabba's Palace. It's like, just walk in there and ask. He's like, I'm afraid I won't like the answer. <laughs> it's like, we just need to take it. So, you know, it shows them uh, meeting up and part partnering up and planning and getting the for a ship formerly known as slave one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not called the slave one anymore. It's the fire spray gunship. That's what type of class of ship it is. And that's people are just going to have to get over that hang up. They have about the name not being used. I mean, what's, from, what's, what's really funny is that in the original trilogy, uh, and in um, the prequels, the ship is never named. The only reason we know it as the slave one is because of toys. Yeah, exactly. It's never called that by name. Uh, so, and the thing is, in the character they're setting uh, and they're they're giving Boba Fett, he's he's definitely got a code about him. Yeah, uh, and maybe he just didn't like the name and doesn't decided not to keep the name of the ship. Who cares? You know, it's just, it's, it's something dumb that people are getting hung up about. Uh, That's, but that's Star Wars fans in a nutshell. I mean, if we're being honest here, that's, 
it, it's a constant problem with with uh, Star Wars fans. Just we say this up. as Star Wars fans, so yeah. Well, you know, last week I I posted a thing on Twitter that was like. Star Wars fans are fucking weird because they were they had a hang up about the goddamn spe- uh, the the scooter speeder things or whatever the fuck you want to call them like Star Wars fans are fucking weird there's no other way to put it they just are they don't like it when colorful people come to steal their sunshine <laughs> leave leave them out of this they did nothing wrong um no but uh uh yeah i i I was a little confused why Jabba's palace still had all the guards it did. Like, it had been a couple years since Boba Fett escaped the Sarlacc pit. He had Uh, been with the... Like, he even says it to to Fennec Shand. Like, so why, why, why were they still guarding the... Like, I well, just, it's it's not, not that they were just guarding his ship; they were guarding the entire compound. They had routine patrols. That well, that, that, no, that's what I'm open. saying. That's what I'm saying is why were they still there? Like, did the well, huts tell him to t- keep it? Or oh, we don't know the story of why, but we just know that Bib Fortuna at the time was in control, and I guess he needed to have a strong presence visibly. Who knows? You know, yeah. we've not yeah. really. No, it's just a dumb question I have. I mean, I was just kind of like, I, I was watching it going like, why why are those guards still there? They're like still full on on patrol. The the droids are still making food as if it's for Jabba. So I just, there was a lot. I was like, mm. feels a little well, off. Bib Fortuna but, definitely ate. The fucker got fat. You remember seeing that scene at the end of The Mandalorian. That's true. That is very true. Yeah, I don't know. And, yeah, there's there's some subtext there that we don't know that we don't need either. There's whatever. The, the entire point was was uh, Boba and Fennec getting the fire spray back. So who cares at this ultimate way? Though I will say, if I I don't, I'll say this much: I don't understand why they, we needed that comedic scene in the kitchen with the droid. But, but I fucking love it. <laughs> Same. Same. <laughs> I was like, oh, why is this little uh, a rat catcher droid of all things? And then it's just running around like Looney Tunesing it up. So funny. And then he turns himself off. I like, God, I was cracking up at that. I also want to point out one of the, my favorite things about this show. And I and again, I I know CGI is up to the point where they can make it look like it's practical and um uh animatronic like mm-hmm. but everything looks like it's fucking like 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 everything looks real like it's on set or stop motion like I'm the, that little robot was running around I'm like he's real right like he's actually there being puppeted right I couldn't tell the difference if it, if it's not well fucking done, if it is well fucking done, like there's no way I'm not going to love that. So much about it is just, is super rad. Like I felt like everything inside Jabba's palace was built on set. Like, yeah. 
I, I the hanger had to have been partially CGI, but it looked good. It looked really good. Yeah, it did. So. And you know, there's there's uh they get stumbled upon and they have to make an escape, but they escape in the ship, and then you see uh Boba Fett track down the swoop gang that killed the Tuscans and he just made very short work of them. Uh, then you see them go to the Sarlacc and they're trying to find any traces of his armor, end up dropping a depth charge on it and killing the Sarlacc. That was wild. Cause like I've played a lot of the games and a lot of the games you get to play as the fire spray and I've used the depth charge. I've used, I thought it was a seismic charge, but um, seismic charge. Yes. But in this instance, you know, it's a depth charge because it's underground depth charge underwater. That's my mind went there. That's fair. Um, I didn't want to but, say it wrong in case I got it wrong. That's why. No, no, it. they I are totally the called it. They, they, they are called a seismic charge, but in this instance, my mind immediately thought depth charge because water, sand, right, 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 under, you know, it works. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that, I never thought I'd see that. I never thought I'd see that specific bomb on land. <laughs> And it was cool. Ass, blood, and guts just went raining everywhere. Oh, it actually gave me a jump scare, by the way. Like, I saw the mouth of Sarlacc coming out of its hole, but the second it went, Bow! like that at the camera, I literally went like that. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> That's awesome. So they, they got me on that one. I was like, I was like, I saw it coming too. I was like, I was like, it's going to jump out. And it still got me. I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, no, it was dope. And then, uh, but I want to say that the the towards the end of the episode, he gets out of the back to tank, and he is told, "You are your healing healed. is complete." Yeah. So are we done with flashbacks? I think so because they pretty much got up to the point where she agreed to stay on as a working partner with him. Yeah. <clears throat> Because we know the rest and of the story from here on out with him. For the rest of the story with them, you know, it picks up in the Mandalorian. We know that. Yeah. So we see him meeting with local heads of families. He's like, there's a war coming. We need to ally against the Pikes. And a lot of them are like, no, <laughs> we're not doing that. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to war with them. I just ask that you don't betray me when I do it. And they're like, that's fair. Yeah, we can agree to that. And it closes with uh, they're on the balcony overlooking, watching everybody leave. And she's like, "Do you trust them?" And he's like, "No, but I trust them to, you know, act in their own self-interest." He says, "What I need is muscle." And she's like, "You got coin?" He's like, "Yeah, I have plenty of earth." She said, "How much do we have in your reserve treasury?" He's like, "I have plenty of coin." She's like, "Coin will buy muscle if you know where to look." And all of a sudden, the fucking music from the Mandalorian plays, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" <laughs> yeah, if Mando was full on brought in, I that would be amazing. I don't know if he will though. Like knowing the character, I don't know. Uh, this next two episodes could go fucking anywhere, by the way. Like, it, it was kind of easy to see a little bit where the, you know, next episodes were going to go. Like, oh, he's just going to be the Dynamo now for that region of Tatooine and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then the flashbacks are just going to pick up, like, and, and it was like, we didn't see everything, obviously, like, 
there were a lot of flashback stuff that I didn't see coming, but we knew what it was going to be about in a, in, in a sense. Yeah, but it, it also gives us the feeling that he spent a lot more time than we initially thought with the Tuscans. He essentially spent probably the better part of four years with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least. At least. Because this is spanning the five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, I'd say he's probably spent four years with the Tuscans and then a year on his own living you know, nomadically and trying to get his shit back. Yeah. Up to the points where, you know, he meets Phoenix and yeah. So that's very cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this show a lot. It's, it's, I wasn't sure where it was going to go because as, as we've stated on this podcast, I was never really the biggest <sighs> Boba Fett fan as I never understood why the fandom the way was the way that it was. Like I was like, his armor looks cool and that's roughly it. Um, but this has given him some actual character development and some actual like stakes. And I'm just like, oh, finally, <laughs> yeah. finally I can like Boba Fett. Yeah, absolutely. Other than just, oh, he looks badass. Oh yeah, he did, but he didn't do shit. Yeah. I always thought it was when people were like, Boba Fett's my favorite character. And I'm like, that's, that's a weird choice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very happy with how the show's going, and and I can't wait to. I, next two episodes are going to be. It's only six, right? If I'm not mistaken, six or seven, six seven, or seven. Okay. seven. It's seven. Okay, so we have three more. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck. That is, is, uh, I I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I think uh, Star Wars is always an interesting franchise to me because it can be very hit or miss, and. And I'm always a defender of it because I like Star Wars a lot. I have a fucking Star Wars tattoo. Um, but you I'm not do? above critiquing. You all couldn't see that, but I gave him a look. Gave her a look. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, I knew that look was coming and I had to do it anyway. I have to mention it once every few months, okay? Okay, okay. It costs a lot of money. I only mention it because, like, like See, when if I, you were a real Star Wars fan, you said this cost me a lot of Imperial credits. Well, that's exactly the joke I was going for there was, like, the reason I mention it is, like, when I defend something in Star Wars, I'm, a, like, there are people that'll be like, oh, you're not a true fan. The fuck does that even mean? You know, I, I just saw a uh, question uh, you know a statement and a question posed by one of our friends Sam who's been on the show with us before uh, he was talking about because he's been very critical of this show in his comments that I've seen online um, and people are saying well you're not a true fan you're not a true fan he's like well what the fuck's a true fan anyway yeah it's a dumb you know, phrase like it is. I love to I'd love to pick his brain on why he doesn't like the show, but that doesn't make him any less of a fan than me. So I'll have to hit him up. Maybe he'll want to come on with us one day. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd, I'd of course, him. of course, you know, he is a school teacher and we do record in the morning, so it's going to be hard to pull off. Well, it depends if like we want to record like Thursday afternoon when he gets off work or, or yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hit him up. I'll hit him up and see what he, what he I was like, or even a moment on like a Sunday. Like, 
if he has a weakened spot and we can just kind of record a spot with him that we can edit in or some shit. Yeah. I'd be down with that, but, um, yeah, because I, I, I value Sam's insights and his opinions. Uh, you know, he's a great dude. Yeah. I, one of the things about like, I think our better conversations are when we don't agree on things. So having somebody on here that wouldn't agree with us on Boba Fett would be a very cool conversation. Agreed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I think let's go ahead and give it a final grade and then uh, wrap this bad boy up. Um, well, go ahead. I this episode gets this episode gets an A plus. Uh, it is it is flawless in my mind. Um, enjoyed every second of it. it was la- like I laughed and I felt like real stakes were being had. Um, specifically towards the end because I knew he wasn't gonna like him and Shenick were not gonna die saving the fire spray. Fennec. What'd I say? You said Shenick. <laughs> oh, sorry. Finnick Shand. Yeah. Uh, I thought I said Finnick. My brain said Finnick. I can tell you that. Um, my mouth didn't. Uh, yeah, I knew they weren't going to die because, you know, this is a flashback. We know that they exist in the future. So, but so those stakes were low. But, uh, um, you know, meeting up with all the families of Tatooine didn't know where the fuck that was going to go. And now these three episodes, if we're not doing flashbacks, the sky's the fucking limit. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. They could full on kill off Boba Fett at the end of the show, for all we know. I don't. Think you know, at this happen, but... at this point, I think there'd be people that would be fine with that because they have such a distaste for what they're seeing. But you know, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I'm also going to give it an A plus. I think it was well told, well shot. There were a couple of lighter-hearted moments, but you, you're starting to see more humanity from Boba Fett. You know, letting the Bantha go. He's like, you're free. Go find other Banthas. Make Bantha babies. You know, yeah. he just, that was his mount. It was his mount for a very long time. He wants nothing but a peaceful, tranquil life for his mount, which was his friend. You know, what's wrong right. with that? I've seen people complain about that, and I'm like, why do, why does that bother you so much? Because a former bounty hunter has empathy towards a creature, you're you're upset. Oh, we're getting great character development. Leave that shit alone. Well, that's the thing I think to further my my complaint is that and we've talked about it before too is is people have this strong mindset of what these characters are and what they do because of the old books that are no longer canon. Yep. Um I think a lot of of a lot of people have a misunderstanding of these characters because of those books. I, I've been very public and very outspoken about. I hate the fucking legacy books, most of them. Well, the ones I've read anyway. I hate them because it 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 doesn't that none of the characters are characters. They're just they're all superheroes. They're all and I'm talking about like golden age comic book superheroes. They're all mega powerful do goody and i hated it um i always like characters that are flawed and this show is making boba fett a flawed human character and i fucking love it now i can sit there and be like yeah i like boba fett where i couldn't before sorry hell yeah no no you're not wrong you know there were a lot of a lot of those legacy books were bad uh 
but there there were some really good ones though. I'm sure there are, man. Like I I I I know that there are. Like there's some legacy books that don't have to do with Luke. Don't have to do with any of the characters from the from the original trilogy. Oh, one of the best fucking legacy books out there. I Jedi had hardly anything to do with Luke. He's just an aforementioned character in it a couple of times, but it focuses on, you know, Coran Horn. I think it was. Uh, was he the main character of I Jedi? I was like, I hope you're not asking me because I've never heard of it. Uh, I was yeah. gonna say, I think that's Grand people... Horn. It was, it was set eleven years after Battle of Yavin. Follows Cran Horn in his quest to become a Jedi in order to save his wife Mirax. And yeah, it was a really good book. Yeah, I never. I've, that's the first time I've ever heard it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I read a few of the legacy books back in the day, and I remember my brother and I reading them like kind of back to back. And I was always like, "These suck," <laughs> and he's just like, "Really? You don't like them?" I'm like, "Yeah, it sucks." Like I remember. Um, do you remember uh, which ones you read? No, no. They were all. They all had to do with like, it was after Jedi and had to do with some of those characters and stuff. And I read one Boba Fett book, and I really hated that one. Um. But yeah, I think a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, something that I've noticed, I'll, I'll put it this way, before we end the podcast, I want to bring this up. Um, something I've noticed about being 38, almost 39 in April, um, and, and for the past few years, this has been the way. Uh, if you hit a certain age, you have this nostalgia for your youth that overshadows everything else. So I'll give an example. I'm starting to see memes of kids that grew up in the 2010s, right? They were born in the late 90s. They grew up in the 2010s, and now they're adults. And they think back to the cartoons of 2010 and say that it's the be- that the new cartoons suck. They have this idolized vision of what the 2000s cartoons look like. And there's a lot of good 2000s cartoons. I'm not even going to deny that. But a lot of them also sucked, much like every other fucking generation. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people my age, people older than me, they do this shit too. Just because you saw, saw just because you saw Star Wars at a young age, doesn't necessarily mean that those characters are the way that you saw them as a kid. Do you remember growing up? And I, I don't know about you, Maya, but I know a lot of people have this experience. You grew up, and your parents are fucking superheroes to you, right? You're a kid. They're taller <laughs> than you. They're stronger than you. I know. That I some people don't have this experience, so that's why I'm saying it the way I did. You mean um, super villains, right? Uh, no, I mean, like, a lot of people have this experience where, like, I had this experience. I looked at my dad as a fucking superhero. He could do no wrong. He was he was the smartest person in the room. He was the, the best person in the room. And then I hit, like, 12 or 13, and I went, my dad's a fucking idiot. And, um, and I started to realize that, like, there was an age where I hit where I was like, my dad is just like me. He just has hopes and desires and dreams that were, that were never accomplished. And um, I like the person that my dad is in my mind now because I had those thoughts, right? Yeah. Not the person that I saw my dad as when I was a kid. And you have to do the same thing with your favorite characters from your favorite franchises. You just do. 
You have to look at these characters as flawed humans or they're fucking boring. I used to really, really dislike Superman because I just saw him as this Boy Scout who would just punch his way out of anything. And then people were like, read All-Star Superman, read this, read this comic, read this comic. And I'm like, okay, now watch this show. And I'm like, Superman is a more in-depth character than I was giving him credit for because I had this vision in my mind of what kind of character he was and he was boring. Now there are stories that make Superman boring. I'm not saying that there are, but that's, that furthers my point. When, when, uh, uh, last Jedi came out, people hated the characterization of Luke in that movie because in their mind, he was a superhero. He was top of the line. He was the biggest of the badasses. Nobody wanted to put to context that he's going to have PTSD from what he experienced. He's going to have trauma. He is a flawed human. And we see him be a flawed human in the original trilogy quite frequently. Do you think that Mm -hmm. was somehow going to change because he wore a black suit and defeated uh, his dad? Which he didn't even defeat the fucking emperor. That was Vader. Like the list goes on and on and on. And people have this concept. And it drives me fucking up a wall. Like, one of the things that's really fucking getting to me right now is that if you sit there and say to me that Tobey Maguire is your favorite Spider-Man, great. I don't care. That's fine. That's your prerogative. But if somebody like me, who read the comics long before the first fucking movie had come out, had watched the animated series, says Tobey Maguire is the least comic book accurate Spider-Man, and you tell me I'm wrong, what the fuck are we doing? That shit's ridiculous. Um, I just, it, it drives me fucking, it drives me absolutely bonkers. You don't have to like Book of Boba Fett. In no way, shape, or form are either Maya or I telling you that you have to like the Book of Boba Fett. But what we are telling you is that if there is somebody out there who says Book of Boba Fett is my, is like, it's, it's a great show, or says I don't, I, I don't like it. You don't get to tell that person that they're not a true fan. You don't get to sit there and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm fucking rambling now because I'm now irritated by the thought of just talking to somebody that is a fucking gatekeeper. So I'm done. I'm done with my rant. I've done this before on the podcast and now I'm doing it again. So anyway, <laughs> Maya's just now, 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 now ignoring me. No, no, not at all. I was just making sure you were done, done. No, I'm done. I'm done. I, I realized that if I kept, <laughs> if I kept, if I kept going, I was, I wasn't going to stop. So I was like, mm, I should end it here. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I think that the generational thing is funny. Like you, you have this kind of preconceived notion of characters, and you have to let that go. You just do. And I don't think a lot of people, I don't think enough people do. So. There's that's that's that that's that's all I was getting at. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and wrap this puppy up? We both gave it an A plus, so we're going to be done. Um, I have to go to work soon, so that's a thing. Uh, so next week, everybody, uh, we're just gonna as as of right now, all we have on the docket is chapter five of the book of Boba Fett. Um, much like Archive 81 will add something. We're going to try to be a little bit more mindful about putting it on social media when we add something. Um, I feel like something's coming out this next week, but I can't find it that I know that we'd both enjoy. So 
I just don't know where it is. I, I looked, but I'm sure that, you know, if we know something, we'll really, really try to tell you on the social medias, which you can follow by following the links down below, like that segue. Um, uh, also, check out the YouTube channel. That's where you'll find the video live to the podcast. Check out the Teespring store. We have a bunch of uh, merch there that you can buy, and it goes to supporting the podcast directly because um, not everything we do in the podcast is is free. Uh, Got to pay those those licensing fees. Hosting um, fees. Hosting <clears throat> fees. Thank you. Not licensing. Um, also, when you go to the YouTube channel, like subscribe and whatnot because it helps algorithm, gets ads and revenue, all that shit. So that's, that's, a, that's a plus. Uh, other than that, Maya, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Maya Dawn Fisher. That's a public profile. So if you wish to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, those are linked to my Facebook profile. And it's easy to do so from there without having to try to remember what those screen names are. Uh, if you want to catch me on other shows, uh, appear on the Realm of Collectors podcast, Figure Banging which airs every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. It's an action figure review show, interactive live chat, where we go over a figure and all of its accessories and the pros and the cons, etc. It's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And then sometimes I appear on Shelf Gravy at 9 p.m. Eastern on the alternating Wednesdays. Same channel, Realm of Collectors on YouTube. Uh, that's everywhere you can find me. What about you, Greg? Uh, you can find me on um, here on this podcast primarily. Uh, you can find me on uh, under all socials under Chub Rock Geek. Um, uh, wow, my brain just stopped. Oh, Mission Start Podcast. That's another place you can find me. Um, Anthony and I did an episode a few weeks ago on the uh, Game Awards, and we talk about like the games that we think deserved it and all this kind of stuff. It's it's if you like video games, you like discussions. It's a it's a it's a good one. But that's Mission Start Podcast or Mission Start Tubes on YouTube. Um, but that's it for me. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Remember next week, Boba Fett, Boba Fett follow the socials when we add something because I know we're going to. We always do. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.